Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can get them ready for Philippians. I'll be sharing a four-part series going through the book of Philippians. Uh, before I get into it, I'll share a few other verses, but you can get a marker ready there in Philippians. And um, I actually preached this message to an empty church two years ago. And uh, it was one of my favorite series I've done, and um, I, I was asked um, by Pastor Lawson to share um, for our television program, Grace for Today, and I, I shared on this, and I just loved um, going through Philippians again, and um, so I'll be sharing my series called If You're Happy and You Know It. And uh, we were, of course, only closed down for that one series, and then we opened up um, as the Constitution allowed us to do so, and, um, but we were still happy even, even during the brief lockdown here, but um, we, we kind of were up and running uh, which is, is a good thing to do. Um, so before I start tonight, I want to share a joke with you all. I figured since I'm uh, sharing a series called If You're Happy You Know It, it's good. It's appropriate to start off with a joke. So um, I, know, I know there's a lot of people from various denominational backgrounds here, and I'm uh, this pokes fun a little bit at, at different denominations. So I'm sorry if this pokes fun at your particular brand of... Coca-Cola church, but um, <laughs> this is not a diet church, I can tell you that. This is full-blown, give me the sugar, real raw cane sugar, straight from Mexico, in a glass bottle kind of church here. <laughs> so um, anyways, here's the joke. The Presbyterian church called a meeting to decide what to do about their squirrel infestation. After much prayer and consideration, they concluded that the squirrels were predestined to be there then they should not interfere with God's divine will. At the Baptist church, the squirrels had taken an interest in the baptistry. The deacons met and decided to put a water slide on the baptistry and let the squirrels down themselves. The squirrels liked the slide and unfortunately knew instinctively how to swim, so twice as many squirrels showed up the following week. The Lutheran church decided that they were not in a position to harm any of God's creatures, so they humanely trapped their squirrels and set them free near the Baptist church. <laughs> Two weeks later, the squirrels were back when the Baptists took down the water slide. The Episcopalians tried a much more unique path by setting out pans of whiskey around their church in an effort to kill the squirrels with alcohol poisoning. They sadly learned how much damage a band of drunk squirrels can do. The Catholic Church came up with a more creative strategy. They baptized all the squirrels and made them members of the church. Now they only see them at Christmas and Easter. <laughs> Not much was heard from the Jewish synagogue. They took the first squirrel and circumcised him. They haven't seen a squirrel since. <laughs> and my dad, I, I sent this to my dad a while back, so I know it's Pastor Lawson approved even though it's slightly off color, but he said, and the, the Pentecostal church barbecued the squirrels. <laughs> and called it manna from heaven, so. We had a, a lady from church, she was an elderly woman, I think she was close to 100, by the name of Betty, who came here for a number of years, and um, she was from Louisiana, like straight from the backwoods of Louisiana, and, and she talked about all of her squirrel recipes and and all these kind of things. And now I, I married not, not a Cajun woman, but a Southern woman from Tennessee. And you know, I, I enjoy Southern cuisine. And uh, it's different than um, other cuisine. You know, and uh, I made me think of this joke about the difference between Yankee zoos 
and southern zoos. So at a Yankee zoo, they had the name of the animal in English and the name of the animal in Latin. At a southern zoo, they had the name of the animal in English and a recipe for that animal. <laughs> so I'm sure there are plenty of squirrel recipes with those Pentecostal churches down in the south. Some, some of the churches from her small town actually made recipe books, and they're really kind of fantastic. Of all, uh, all the grandmas in the church put all their recipes together in Lynchburg, Tennessee, and um, kind of neat. All right, um, yeah, so if you're happy, and you know it, there's a lot of happy people here tonight, so I'm excited to share this. Um, Psalm 144, verse 15 says, Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. I think God wants his people to be happy. And, um, um, you know, I really believe that God would rather see you happy and full of joy than upset, squalling, wailing, ganashing your teeth, as the Bible said. You know, um, I'm just a little bit tired tonight. Last night, Ada woke up at 3 a.m., and I, I, um, I, usually Heather takes care of Ada in the middle of the night, but I was trying to pitch in a little... And uh, I guess it's National Husband Day or appreciation. So I try to do something nice, and and uh, um, I couldn't find a bottle. Usually I walk in there with a bottle and give it to her right away, but I couldn't find a bottle. So I just figured, well, I'll get Ada and then go look for a bottle. But when she saw me coming without a bottle, she was very upset. <laughs> and Heather told me just the day before, Ada, in her new toddler stage of life, she's 16 and a half months old, she just learned how to walk Sunday morning at church this past Sunday. She was walking around, waving a flag in the back and, uh, and uh, trying to keep her balance while, while uh, doing, you know, waving her banner. And um, um, so she's kind of a brand new toddler. And I guess Heather went shopping with her yesterday and told me that she, she just had a complete meltdown. And she did this thing where she stuck her fingers in her mouth and tried to gag herself till she'd throw up because she just wanted everyone to know how, she, like, she was... So upset, I'm going to throw up, and I want to make you know. And, and she started doing that for me at 3 a.m., and I was like, no, I'm not going to give you a bath. And, you know, I can pitch in a little bit, but that's, that's, that's quite a bit to deal with at 3 a.m. And uh, I started yelling for Heather, Heather, <laughs> like, where's a bottle? And, and I was, like, cupping Ada's mouth and trying to pull her hand out and um, kind of a wild time. But I, I just, and this morning is a completely different thing. I, I, um... I like played, I had had to worship God to kind of purify myself from the night before. And <laughs> there's something very pure, purifying about worship. It's, it's really amazing. I, I really appreciate all the, the musicians and band, you know, singers tonight. That was really beautiful. Just very, yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you can clap for, um, and, uh, as every, everyone up here, I could just sense that, that purity of, of worship and, and just, I just felt like it was, purifying everyone here tonight just in that, that liquid golden worship unto Jesus. And um, so I was just worshiping this morning. Ada came walking in, how she walks now, and started tapping on the keys at the top of the piano. And it didn't sound too bad. Um, and, I, you know, she's very happy. And I just realized, you know, it, as a dad, I, I want Ada to be happy. I don't want wailing and gnashing of teeth. So... <clears throat> Um, you know, if you're from a particular denomination that thinks, you know, that you should, you know, God, God cares about, about your, your joy and your happiness, and, and um, in his presence there is fullness of joy. So, and I believe that, that supernatural joy is available to 
to believers. Amen. And, um, you know, if you're happy, you know, you can, you can, you can tell yourself about it, right? You can, you can clap your hands, as the song says. You can stomp your feet. You can say amen. You can notify your face and smile once in a while. You can laugh. You can praise God. You can rejoice. And, um, you know, I love it. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord, not worried are, not fearful are, not distraught are, not depressed are, not confused are. You know, and I, too many people who, who say they're believers identify with depression, identify with anxiety. That, that's really not who you are in Christ. You might go through a season where you're experiencing different emotions, but that's not who you are. And you can actually tap into supernatural joy. And I, I, um, I, I'm excited to share this because I think, I think the number one way the devil tries to attack believers is by trying to steal their joy. The number one thing he's trying to do, that he's out to do, is to steal your joy. Because if he can steal your joy, he can steal your strength, right? And Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. If he can steal your joy, he can steal your strength and just make you more susceptible to his attacks. And I was kind of just thinking about how he deceives people out of this God-given supernatural joy. And uh, the, Bible talks, the, the Bible talks about joy as, as like an anointing of joy, like an anointing oil of joy. I just love that terminology. There's like an anointing for healing. There's an anointing for, for, for but there, there's actually, the Bible talks about an, an anointing of his presence, but an anointing of, of joy. To me, that's a supernatural thing that can be experienced, that can be tangible, that can be poured out upon you by our great high priest, who anoints us. That's one of the things he anoints us with, is with his joy. So, so the devil, really to deceive you out of knowing that you have this supernatural joy, um, three things he does. He, he tries to get you to focus on lack, right? Don't, don't, look at, um, don't look at things with an abundance mindset, but look at things like there's a scarcity, um, there, there's lack, there's not enough. Um, he tries to get people to focus on lack, focus on the negative, focus on, on the pessimistic side of things. Um, and if the devil's trying to make you focus on lack, you just tell him, devil, I don't lack. You know, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus period. I do not lack any good thing. God, God is my supplier. He's going to supply more than enough. Amen. So he tries to get you focused on lack. Number two, he tries to get you to be worried, to be full of fear, to, to be motivated by fear, to start living life based upon fear, not based upon faith. But we aren't people of fear. We're people of faith. God has not given us a, a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And the devil, he tries to steal people's joy by, by getting them to focus on lack, by getting them to, to, to be full of fear, but also, and this is a huge one, is to get people to focus on how they've been mistreated. You've been mistreated, now it's time to be offended. And um, this, this is a very dangerous thing. Um, and I'm not saying that people haven't been mistreated, like, people have been mistreated, and I'm, I'm going to be sharing from Philippians, you know, one of the greatest things ever written on joy ever in the history of the earth. And the guy who wrote it was one of the most mistreated people on the face of the earth. And, um, you know, th there have been times that I felt mistreated. 
And I was just reading through, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. Just about how Paul was mistreated. And I realized, I really, Paul has a lot more, you know, in it, to, to talk about in the terms of being mistreated and, and misunderstood. And, you know, let's just read a few of the things that happened to him. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 22. He's saying, are, there, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prison, more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That hasn't happened to me yet. You know, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys of ten, in often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among just. Just he, he went through, through a lot, but he had this revelation of, of, of joy. And we're going to talk about his revelation of supernatural joy um, from Philippians. And, um, you know, I, I, I kind of think the number one key of how it's possible to stay full of joy is realizing this. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And, and, and if you've been mistreated, if you've dealt with offense, if you've dealt with, you know, that the Bible talks about a root of bitterness by which many have been defiled. Beware of that, right? Hebrews 12, 15. Um, realize, get, get your focus off yourself and put your focus on Jesus. What's motivating you? What's, what's the why of what you are doing? It has, to, it has to be Jesus. It has to be Jesus all the time. The focus has to be on him, what you're doing, your purpose in life, your destiny in life. It has to be centered on Jesus, period. If it's centered on you, you're going to fall into those traps, right? And that's how Paul was able to avoid falling into those traps. You know, before, before Paul met Jesus, he said that I was filled with exceeding rage. And when he was sharing his testimony with King Agrippa, he said, I was filled with an exceeding rage. He just to, to the point where, where he, he would kill believers. He would, he would literally kill people. He had such an exceeding rage. And he was, he was very righteous according to the law. He, you know, we, we'll talk about that later. Um, you know, he, he said, I kept the law perfectly, but the law didn't change his heart. Right? It was all about him. But when he met Jesus, he, he, he realized how to make it not about him, but make it about Jesus. And, and he would go to some very unrighteous people. You know, Heather and I, uh, a couple years ago, when we went on our honeymoon, we went to Italy, went to Rome, went to um, the Amalfi Coast, but then coming at the end of our trip, we went to um, Pompeii and saw Mount Vesuvius, which erupted, I, I think, around 70 AD. So this, this is a, a, you know, Roman Empire city, like where, where Certain things in the culture were, were normally, we saw the, the temple of Zeus where, where people threw sacrifices on the statue of Zeus. That, you know, the, these are the types of people that Paul had a heart to, to go minister to, to share the God, to, to, to be willing to, to, to be beaten, to be thrown in jail, to be, you know, whipped. You know, people, like, they had male genitalia carved in the streets pointing towards the brothels. In Pomp that, that, that is the Roman Empire of Paul's day. 
And, um, you know, our, our current society is kind of heading in that direction rather quickly. But thank God that the church in America is strong. There are bold apostles of the gospel here in America. And that there is a strong pushback against, against just wickedness, against satanic, demonic garbage. And people, people are standing up. I'm glad we have people, you know, not only, um, you know, pastors, but we have politicians that are standing up. We're going to have Lauren Boebert here, Amen. you know, in, in, in a couple months at our camp meeting. That, that's really cool. That we're going to have a sitting, you know, U.S. congresswoman here preaching. How, how cool is that? Woo! That's really, that's, that's really phenomenal. Yeah, and she, she's full of the Holy Ghost. She's been um, going to Mark Hankins' Holy Ghost meetings for 20 years in western Colorado where she's a, a rep- representative here for our state. And uh, man, I, I'm excited about what God's doing here in our country, what he's doing here at our church. And um, God, God has some good things in store. But I just realized that Paul, the, the focus wasn't on him. It was on Jesus and what Jesus was calling him to do. Amen? And that's how he was able to stay full of joy. He kept his trust in God. Psalm 511 through 12, it says, But let all those who rejoice, who put their trust in you, let them ever shout for joy, because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. I love that. That is a great statement there. And... um, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm super excited about Mark Hankins being here in a couple months, too. That, um, talk about an anointing of joy and someone who ministers with that anointing oil of joy. Um, sometimes when, when that stuff breaks through, it's, it's a Holy Ghost thing. And, uh, you know, one, one thing I know about the Holy Ghost is he doesn't care how you look. You know, he... And, and for, for, joy, for joy to really work, it, it doesn't matter how you look. And, and sometimes when you're, when you're anointed in that, it can offend people who are mad about you being happy or laughing or, or it, it, it offends some religious spirits. Um, but... Um, Man, it's, it's powerful. God, he wants to just break through joy in people's lives. Um, he, he really want, wants to do that. And, um, man, and I, um, your joy cannot be based on circumstance. It has to be based upon Jesus. You know, if Jesus gave it to you, the world can't take it away. And you know, some people say, well, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy if it's a conditional thing. I'll be happy, you know, when I get a good job. I'll be happy when I get out of school. I'll be happy when I have enough money to buy that house or that car. I'll be happy when I marry the perfect person. I'll be happy, you know, when I'm given the recognition I deserve. Um, but if, you, if your happiness is based upon circumstances, it's, it's circumstantial. It's not supernatural. Jesus wants you to have supernatural joy that, that flows from him despite the circumstance. 
despite the what's going on, despite... So you can believe God for those things. You can believe him for that job, believe him for, the, for that spouse, believe him for, for increase, believe him to, to keep walking in your destiny, but you can have joy no matter where you're at in life. And, um, and I just, I love that statement um, from Psalm 144. Happy are the people whose God is Lord. I'm happy because Jesus is Lord. Amen. He's still Lord today. He's going to be Lord tomorrow. He's going to be Lord for all eternity. And my happiness is, is based upon him. And that's not going to change. Amen. I'm happy because I've been in Christ it. My joy is found in Christ. My salvation is in him. My forgiveness is in him. My righteousness, my health, my provision, my peace, my joy, it's all found in Christ. Amen. And it's a reality in my life. My joy is in Christ. It's not in this world. It's not in a circumstance. It is based upon him, and it is supernatural. Amen. So let's dive in here to uh, Philippians. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. And I want to give you some practical tips on how to be happy and truly know it. And I just think, I just think this joy just exudes from Paul while he's writing from this jail, this jail cell. Um, so my first point is this. Um, happy people are thankful people. Thankful. That's a huge amen. People who are ungrateful, who are bitter, who are just... They are not happy people. And, um, and, and I, I, God spoke this to me recently, but it's really ministered a lot to me. But it, it's not my job to make anyone else happy. Some people think it's my job as a pastor to make them happy. That is not part of my job description. Jesus has made you happy, and you can choose to be happy or not. It's my job to be a good pastor, to care for people, to... to support my parents, to support this church, to help out, you know, to minister to people, to preach the word, but it, it's, it's not my job to do something that's your job. Amen? You know, I, when, I, when I got married, my vow wasn't to try to make you happy. It was to love her, to honor her, to cherish her, to, to have her only and no others, but it, there's not. It's my job to make you happy. Right? Heather agrees. Even my children, it's my, it's my job to care for them, to take, you know, to love them, to, to teach them, to raise them, to, but it's not my job to make them happy. And I realized with Ada, I could not make her happy. So, <laughs> harness your emotions, Ada. It's going to be one of her first series from Andrew Almack when she learns the English language. All right, so Paul and Timothy, Philippians 1, verse 1. Bond servants of Jesus Christ. I love, I love that, how Paul, um, the title he gives himself here. You know, he, he's a great apostle, he's a great minister, known all around the world, but he says, I'm a bond servant of Jesus Christ. How cool is that? A bond servant is like one of the lowliest positions in society, in, in, in the Old Testament. A bondservant was someone who, who, who basically became enslaved to someone else because they owed them, a, you know, they were indebted to them, they couldn't pay it, they couldn't 
So they, they served them a period of time until they got out of debt and then they could go free. But if they really loved that master and wanted to stay with that master, they could become a bond servant. They said, I love my master. I love working for him. I, I just want to stay here and be his servant. And the, the master would take a, an awl, like a, a peg, and drive it through their ear. And that was a marker just saying that this is someone who's chosen. They don't, they don't have to do this, but they have made a choice to do this. And Paul says, this is who I am. I'm a bond servant. I serve my master, my master Jesus, out of love, and that's ultimately who I am. So, so if people are whipping me and throwing me in jail and, and saying I'm, I'm a heretic and running me out of town and, and starting riots, I still have my joy. Because Jesus is Lord, and he's going to be Lord, and I'm here to serve him. My life is all about him. He's changed my life, and, and everything I do, I just do it out of love for him. It's not that I owe it to him, because he's already paid it all, but I, I do it because I love him, and it's all about him. I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Phil, I love it. To all the saints, right? He's not saying, oh, you're sinners, you guys are saints, right? You, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So like I said, um, happy people are thankful people. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Remember the good. He's saying about these people in Philippi, I, I'm remembering the good things about our relationship. I'm remembering the, the good people there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna remember. I thank God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making a request for you with all joy. I love that too. Man, um, thankful people, um, they, they, they remember the good, but they also pray. And, and they pray with joy. I love that. I make my prayer requests made known with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That, that, is, that is why you can rejoice. You can, you can think positively about other people, maybe even other people who haven't treated you well. God, God's not done with you yet. He started something in you. He's not done. I'm not done. I'm gonna keep thanking God for you. I'm gonna keep rejoicing God for you. And he's not done with you yet. He's not done with me yet. That, that's a great word for, for someone here tonight. Maybe there's someone that's close to you in your life that, that's kind of off track. God is not done with them yet. Keep loving them, keep celebrating them, keep rejoicing over them, but realize this, that, that God has begun something in them. Maybe that's by you just, just raising up that child. Maybe it's by you just speaking into that, that, that grouchy neighbor's Heart, I don't know who that person is, but, but, but if God has begun something yet, if the word has been sown and all, that, that word is powerful. Your ministry of the gospel, that, that, that ministry of reconciliation under, un, unto people that you love, that is a powerful ministry, the ministry of reconciliation by which we've all been made ambassadors. So even when people are, are, are putting up walls, pushing you away, just being complete jerks, God is not done with them yet. And, and, and because someone else might be offended, someone else might be bitter, that doesn't have to, that, that can stop right there, right? Because it's not about you, it's about, it's about Jesus. He's going to complete it. 
verse 7, just as it is right for me to thank this of you all, because I love you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. I love that. He's saying, he's saying you guys are partners with me in this message of grace that's going all around the world. You know, and even though I might be lonely here in this jail cell, with Timothy, I know that I'm not alone, that you guys are praying for me, that you care about me, and um, he's just thanking them for that. Amen. I, I'm thankful for a lot of people who, who are partakers of the grace here at Caris Christian Center. There are a lot of people who, who, who pour, pour their, their time, pour their heart, pour their everything into this church, and, and when I think, it, it really blesses me. People who, who pour things into me, Yesterday, I felt kind of beat up, and um, I, I was a little upset because I felt mistreated and misunderstood, and, um, you know, someone, someone blessed us a while back with, like, $1,000 of beef, and we were thinking about, you know, ordering some more, and Heather just sent them a message and said, hey, we just want to give you another $1,000 worth of beef, and I'm just, man, there are, that's what I need to be thinking about right? That's what you guys need to be thinking about. Think, think, remember the good, amen? Celebrate people who really partake in that grace with you. Verse 8, for God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. I love that. In your love may abound more and more in all knowledge and all discernment. To love people the way that Jesus loves people, it takes discernment. When people are mistreating you, when people are stabbing you in the back, you know, giving you stripes, putting it, it takes discernment to see that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Right? God loves that person, even though they are being very vile towards me. God can give you a, a discernment to, to see what, what might be motivating that, causing that person to behave that way, and, and, and enable you to still love that person. So that's how your love can grow more and more. You can love more people. You can love people like Paul loved, people that Paul was willing to die for, that were completely vile culturally, morally, religiously, Right? Because, because God can give you a, a discerning spirit to be able to love people and, and see through that. Does that make sense? Jesus had that. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Gee, that's how he used his discernment. That, that's, that's great revelation for someone here. Someone who feels like they want to operate in that discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits is, is to help you minister more. Does that make sense? It's not to help you be more judgmental or more critical. It's to help you to, to love people more. That's what, that's what those charismatic gifts are for, Right? The Holy Spirit is, is a minister, ministering spirit, and his gifts are to help us minister. And, and cr criticism is not, not a ministry. Going on Google and leaving reviews of every church you've ever been to, that's not a ministry.
Amen. All right, let's, let's keep reading here with more knowledge and discernment. Verse 10, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day. That's beautiful there. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day. Just keep being sincere. Keep being who you are. Keep doing what God has called you to do. Keep being a sincere and honest, a truthful person. Don't try to manipulate. Don't try to, to flatter. Don't just be, just be honest. Be genuine. Be sincere. Because if you're not, it's, it's going to it's going to create problems down the road. Does that make sense? Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So be thankful. That's the first step in being happy. Next, next point here is just to live for Jesus. I kind of talked about that. I think that's, that was Paul's secret sauce to his amazing joy was that he just lived for Jesus. And, and he realized that God can turn things around. Even, even when you're going through something, something painful, um, realize that God is, he's the God of the turnaround. And if you keep, keep your relationship with him right, even if you've been mistreated, demoted, hurt, rejected, whatever, keep your relationship with, keep trusting him and he can turn things around. And that's what Paul is realizing here in the next few verses. He's saying, hey, I'm here in jail. I've been mistreated. People who, even other Christian ministers have mistreated me. It's not just the Jews. It's not just the Roman soldiers. It's, it's people that were close to me. But you know what? God, God, I already see him turning things around. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to fake. Because if you, if you do that, if you fall into the devil's trap, that kind of stops around that grace of the turnaround. If you start getting negative, start being afraid, start being angry, you know, bitter, that, that, that hinders that grace for the turnaround. Let's read what Paul says here. He keeps his focus on Jesus. Verse 12, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me have actually turned out to the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ so he's saying all, all the prison guard here, they, they are getting to, to experience Jesus through me. Wherever I go, Jesus goes. Amen? And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He, he was an, an apostle. Well, I, I think this is one, one trademark of, of, a, of a Bible apostle. A biblical apostle is boldness. There are some people who, who might be called to, to certain public teaching, you know, but, but an apostle is bold, period. And, and they, they, they lead by boldness. They're an example of boldness. And he's saying, by me being bold, other people are being bold as well. I thank God that, they, that there are apostles in America today. There are ministers of the gospel who are extremely bold with the gospel of Jesus. And there is no way to shut them up. Yeah. And if you try to shut them up, it's going to make it worse. <laughs> if you try to defame their church on the local you know, news stations, it's going gonna, it's gonna to backfire. God's going to turn it around because those apostles, those bold apostles of the gospel of Jesus Christ who do not back down 
and, and who do not get offended, who keep doing what God has called them to do, God's going to turn it around. I've seen some turnaround situations here at Karis Christian Center. Look, look, at, look at Joseph. He had that same, he was thrown in, like, you know, his, his brothers threw him in a pit, thought about kill, killing him, sold him off into to slavery, went to Potiphar's house, was mistreated there. Just caught, but but he, he kept his heart right towards God. The Bible said he was a, a prosperous man. Why? Because his prosperity wasn't based upon his situation, his, his happiness, his joy, his, his ministry, his sense of calling, his, his example to other people wasn't based upon circumstance. It was based upon his faith in God, his faith in, in God's plan for redemption. I mean, he, he was looking forward to, to Jesus. And he, he told his brothers, you know, hey, you guys sold me into slavery, but God turned this thing around. You know, the, en- the enemy worked. He, he, had, he, had, he had discernment. I'm not mad at you guys. I love you. I'm weeping. I'm, I'm crying to see you all again. He had this, this supernatural discernment to look through that horrible mistreatment and love them and, and say, God, God is turning this thing around. And, and he... Something that the enemy meant for evil, God has turned around, and you all are going to be saved, and this nation of Israel is going to continue on. God's story of redemption is not done with me being thrown in this pit. Amen? Verse 15, he says, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, some also from goodwill. So he's talking about other preachers who've mistreated him. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains. They're they're glad he's in prison. They're trying to make it worse, trying to make him stay there longer. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. I have a purpose, right? I'm appointed for this. I'm appointed, right? I'm appointed to preach the gospel, I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, there is nothing that can stop me from doing what God has called me to do, period. In every single way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Keep living for Jesus, amen? It's not about you, it's about Jesus. Be bold, amen? That's my last point here on on um, how to be thankful. Keep being bold. Keep being bold. Boldness. Happy people are pretty bold people. People who flow in that supernatural happiness, supernatural joy, they're not so concerned if it, they're pretty bold about it. And I, I love that. And, and Paul is, is a very bold person. Let's read this in uh, Man, keep, keep being bold. I mean, be, be, I, I love what Proverbs 28, verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Amen. Keep being bold. And be kind, be, be loving, be gracious, but be bold. Amen. Be strong. God, God has not called us to be a weak church. To be a strong church, a, a church full of his glory, full of his power, full of his might. Amen. 
All right, verse 19 here. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and, and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Now, that is a bold statement. He's saying, I'm earnestly expecting this, hoping for this, that everything I'm believing for, everything I'm called to do, I in nothing I'm going to be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. He said, even if I'm crucified here, I'm going to keep being bold, and even my memory is going to be a bold memory. And the words I leave behind are going to be bold words. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I, I, can, I can see Paul as offending a lot of these other Christian preachers from his day and time. Saying like, hey, even if you throw me in jail, even if you kill me, bring it on. He, like he probably offended a few people all across the board. Now, now, I think now is not a time to be worried about whether or not you offend people. Verse 22, but if I live on in my flesh, this will mean fruit from, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress. And I love this, joy of faith. Joy of faith. Some people, when they think they're in faith, they go, I'm I'm, I'm full of faith. I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing. The joy of faith, right? Joy, joy is a, a visible thing. It's an audible thing. Verse 26, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. So how to be thankful? Number one, or how to be happy and know it. Be thankful. Keep living for Jesus. Be bold. One more point, it's to conduct yourself well. Conduct yourself well. I love this. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit. Man, if, if you conduct yourself well, conduct, you know, you're an ambassador of, of the message of reconciliation. You are a citizen of heaven on loan to the earth. Be, conduct yourself well. You know, um, I was with a group of ministers having a meal once with Jesse DuPlantis, and they were asking him, you know, how, how, what's your number one tip for being a great minister? And he said, my number one tip is this, don't sin. Which I, I, is a little funny how he said it, but it's really true. You know, if you want to do a lot for God and, and be happy and keep, live right. Sin will make you miserable. Jesus wants you to be happy. That's why he's called you out of darkness and into his glorious light. So I want to hear of your affairs that you may stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith. Of, keep, keep the big picture in mind. Man, this is a great, some great relationship advice here. But, but um, 
have a common goal. What are you striving together for? Make the faith of the gospel, the, the preaching of the gospel, be your number one priority. That's what he's saying to the Philippian church. Strive together, work for that faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer in his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. So how to be happy and truly know it, be thankful, keep living for Jesus, be bold, and conduct yourself well. And I Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. I love this church. This is a pretty happy church. And um, I, I, know, I know people can get tied up in their emotions. I know how the devil tries to deceive people, tries to deceive myself. He tries to steal people's joy. He really tries to stir up strife, tries to stir up bitterness, offense. Usually it's over very little things. And the devil is not that smart. He doesn't have any new tricks up his sleeve. And usually when he pulls a trick, it's usually not a very big trick. Like the things that people get lose their joy over are usually not, not the Paul kind of stuff. Not the Paul kind of mistreatment. You know, someone, someone told me that, that uh, for, for years they, they had resentment towards me and that they've moved on. And I said, I have not done a single negative thing to you. Get over it. Okay. End of meeting. Goodbye. I was kind. I told this person how much I loved them, valued them, appreciated them. But that making you happy is not my job. And you tell me, tell me one negative thing I've done to you. Do, do you even know me? In the six years I've been here, they've been here six years as well. Have you even sat in through a message of mine? No. It, it's... It's not your job to make everyone happy. That, that is up to people to choose to be happy. You know, be, be kind to people, love people, show grace to people. But you, you don't have to cater towards people saying, I'll be happy if you do this for me. That, that's, that's manipulation. You know, I... I'm not manipulated, and I don't manipulate other people as well. I'm living for Jesus, period. I'm not perfect. Other people here aren't perfect. But get over those little things. I, I see some people have huge calls of God on their life, get completely derailed over some small, tiny, petty, minute, little thing. Who, who, like, God loves them, God has saved them, God has given them gifts, talents, abilities. They're right on track. They, they got full of the Holy Spirit, full of power, and, and the devil just puts a little pebble on that track and just completely derails them. And um, 
The devil is not that smart. And don't, don't, don't let him deceive, deceive you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.